Hello and welcome to That's A Wrap Podcast, the show where we wrap up the latest films we've seen. I'm your host, Matthew Parkinson. And I'm your host, Joe Downey. Hey. The date of recording today is the 14th of October, 2020, and the time is 4.08pm. Uh, please remember to follow us at our Instagram at TAW Podcast. That's TAW Podcast. If you ever want to suggest films and topics for us to talk about in future episodes, our DMs will always be open. Uh, you can also check out our Facebook page if you type up That's A Wrap Podcast or TAW Podcast and make sure to give us a like and share. It really helps out the show. We are available on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Overcast and Apple Music. So make sure to give us a follow on those platforms and leave a review where available as it helps out the show. If you, and if you'd like to keep up to date with the latest films we're watching, both in and outside the podcast, you can check out our letterbox pages at Joe Film User and Clappy P. If you would like to sponsor the show, message us at our Facebook page or email joe at joedowney280 at gmail.com. <laughs> That's joedowney280 at gmail.com. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> That's the Yay. first time I've done the intro, ladies and gentlemen. If you're new to this podcast, usually Joe does it at top speed. I can't do that. <laughs> how, how did it feel for you? It's fine. It was all right. It's good reading it. It's you, you have this very well <laughs> planned out. You, so for those of you who don't, uh, for those listening, Joe sent me a script of the intros just so I could read it out because <laughs> after 14 episodes, I'm still not acquainted with it. Fair enough. It's Ugh. been quite... I, I It's... I feel like we say it's been quite a while nearly every episode we do at the moment, but <laughs> it has been the longest while now. It has. Well, I mean, so we've been going now for like nine months, I think, with yeah. this podcast, and we've done about, this is our 14th episode, I think. So. Yeah, and I think the first two, no, first three episodes we recorded were in February, post, like pre-lockdown. Pre-lockdown, obviously. yeah, because we were at uni, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, my washing machine is dinging. Of course it is. I'm just going to drop my housemaid a message. <laughs> oh. oh, no, they're going to turn off. I can hear it. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, it's been a long while. Um, it has. The, the recording at the Isle of Wight just didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> I had terrible Wi-Fi. We, we did, what, two episodes? Uh, yeah, so we did the yeah. Lynch one, which was our most recent one. And mm. what was the one before that? Oh, yeah, the uh, True Life yeah. Ones. That was yeah. You were in the other white for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I think this is going to be quite a chill episode because uh, <laughs> t- times aren't super great at the moment, and uh, turns out watching Lynch films and Kaufman films back to back can really do a number on you. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you if you're looking for a, like super academic scholarly uh, analysis, you probably won't get it in this episode from my end at least um i feel like you definitely get it from matt well uh, i'll try my best i'm not <laughs> making any promises but uh yeah so should we quickly just uh, talk about our theme today uh um, yeah so do, do you want to yeah. introduce it so our theme today is obviously charlie kaufman films mm-hmm. uh, the writer and director mainly known as a writer, but has recently started uh, writing and directing his own films. Two out of three of these films today are films that he's written and directed, with the third film being strictly one that he's written. And he's, what's he known for? He's known for, like, the more cerebral uh, side of 
Uh, yeah, he's known for his sort of very creative and existential films yeah. like that you know deal with uh, heavy and personal subject matters in a way that no no one has ever seen before him. So like he's known for being John Malkovich, Adaptation, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, very cerebral and very original films. The like for of- a second I thought you said he was known for being John Malkovich. No. Like, I was like, he's, yeah, he's known for. He's morphed into him. He's turned into him. Yeah. I I had a, I was I didn't know whether or not I was going to mention this because it's not like super entertaining, but I have a slight grammar issue with how to title this episode because not only is our first film stylized as lowercase, but the second film is Synexy, comma New York, and with, with with every film we're talking about, it'll be like insert film A, comma film B, comma. So it'll look like we're talking about a film called Synecti and then a film called New York <laughs> within the title. I know exactly what you mean. Oh, um, that's going to be an issue. <laughs> but it's fine. It's just, blame it on Charlie. Good old Charlie Kaufman. Good old Charlie. Um, <laughs> I say, I say uh, um, that this episode I'd be brain dead, but I do it most episodes, really. Um you know, our documentary episode, I wasn't all here, but it's fine. I think we surprise ourselves with how much momentum we pick up when we get started. <laughs> like, often, so many episodes we've done where we're like, oh, we're not going to fill the hour. And then we end up doing 90 minutes. And it's like, right. yeah, we always have more than enough to talk about. And I'm just going through my notes here and it's like, I just... <laughs> hope you're for... enjoying this type of talk, listeners. Uh, talking about essentially admin <laughs> but yeah should we should we get into today's first film of the day oh i think before we quickly start I, uh, some people i would like to shout out i want to shout out neve ireland big fan of the show i don't know if i pronounced her name fully but uh yeah it's a mate from college she's been avidly listening and also suggesting lord of the rings and hannah a lot we will get to it um Mainly, probably Hannah before. We're not going to get to Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. I'm not like. <laughs> I, I don't mean quite... to burst anyone's bubble, but it's unlikely. I'm sorry. I'm not like flat out saying we won't do it, but it's nine hours of watching. <laughs> that burst my bubble. Then I was like, oh shit. No, like I'd, we might we might surprise ourselves because we've done that right. in the past. But I'm just mm. saying that don't get your hopes up because it's long, right? And um, <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, uh, who else? I want to shout out Adam Beale because he also has been listening a bit and I, I really appreciate it. Also, mm. stop watching loads of Pink Panther, Adam. <laughs> Let him watch his Pink Panther. It's sake. too much. He, uh, yeah, he he frequently comments on our Instagram page, I think, as well, doesn't he? Um, he's he's a he's a big big supporter. He's a very big supporter. We're very grateful. I'm a massive for fan his... of that. So. Yeah. Adam, if you're listening, I hope you're having a great day, afternoon, good evening. Uh, totally didn't watch Truman's show recently, so... Oh yeah, I saw your letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, well, before we get into to today's film, which I know we've been referencing quite a bit, uh, what are some films of note that you've seen recently on your letterbox? So obviously don't go through all of them because... Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's been like time, a month worth of films. Some, some quick ones of note that you want to recommend real quick. Uh, well, I recently finished uh, Breaking Bad for the first time, I know, finally. And uh, as a little... Well, a great film. <laughs> well, I watched... Uh, El- <laughs> Jesus, all right. No, go ahead. I watched uh, El Camino after finishing the the show, and it was it was very good. I liked it a lot. It was it was good. It was because um, I know you weren't a huge. 
fan of it. You described it as very good fan service, which I yeah. agree with, I think. Like, yeah. it's got all the bells it's and decent. whistles that make Breaking Bad good. It's got good setup and payoff. I think it's a bit... The first half is very, very slow. Right. <laughs> but, it, you know, it does pay off in the end. It's It's a good... Not essential film, but it's, you know, it doesn't ruin the show. It's It just exists very right. nicely. Uh, what else have I seen? I need to go to my letterbox. Uh, That's fine. If you don't have a lot, it's all right. No, I mean, I've got a lot, but it's just what have I seen? Uh, I saw a film, Silence, which is a very good, underrated Martin Scorsese film about uh, religion. I would highly recommend that. Uh, I saw The Usual Suspects. I rewatched that. It's... It's an interesting one. I'm <laughs> not entirely sure how I feel about yeah, it. I'm not going to go into a. I'm not going to go into a spiel about it, but it's. <laughs> I have issues with it, right? Which for another episode, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I rewatched Fargo. That was great. I love that. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. The French nice. Connection. Yeah, just a lot of Sweet. solid films. Awesome. What about you, Joe? Um, I I'd recommend watching Who Killed Captain Alex. Who killed Captain Alex? Yeah. I don't know Do you that know about one. that? No. Okay, so it's a film from uh, Wakaliwood. Uh, so it's a Ugandan film. Oh, okay. Uh, made of, uh, under a budget of $200. Oh, is uh, this the one that's... It, yes, but... <laughs> right, so the film is known for a bit of a meme. However, I... Yes. It's a really, like, commendable, respectable film, considering it's, you know, it's a film made in a third world country, like, country and, like, just from people that really want to make films and, and are clearly having fun and yeah. taking the piss out of themselves whilst doing it. Um, <laughs> this for, is the Kung so, Fu one, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it's generally quite funny. <laughs> like, I was just laughing so much. Um, and... <laughs> You know, it is a meme, but it's hilarious, and it's like, I it's just really like it's somehow wholesome at the same time. Um, mm. So a quick thing going into that film, it's available on Amazon Prime, uh, and also available to buy. Uh, I'm pretty sure on Wakaliwood.com. Did you log um, it? I did. Hold on, let me just search for you. <laughs> Sorry, keep talking. Um, I'm just adding. A but look. yeah, uh, and so with this film. They have something called a VJ, which is a video joker, and it's apparently the first uh, English uh, video joker translation, um, where basically they have someone like MC the film and kind of take the piss out of the film as you're watching it, um, and the only reason why it's only the VJ version mm. is that the director acts, uh, needed to delete the version of Captain Alex to make space on his hard drive for his next film. <laughs> oh, my God. Because he's done, like, 40-plus feature films in Uganda. Oh, my God. And they make them very quickly, obviously, but, like, either way, I think having the v- the video joker makes it ten times better. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah, Nabwana IgG. Yeah. Is the, yeah, Isaac Godfrey Jeffrey. The num- yeah. I'm just looking at this film on Letterboxd. The number of five-star ratings it has is staggering. That's... Because it's, like, just so fun. <laughs> like, okay. regardless of quality, it's a fun film. Like, it's, it's and insane. And some may be doing it for a meme, but I, I, I loved it. Okay, yeah, I might give it a watch at some point, because I've, I've heard of it, and it's <laughs> something I imagined we would have watched drunk while yeah. at uni, but we, oh, <laughs> obviously definitely. we never did. But I, I wish we did, to be honest, because it would be a fun <laughs> drunk watch. Uh, I had a, we didn't have Wi-Fi for a, a couple of weeks, so we went through a couple of DVDs, we went through the Back to the Future trilogy... Uh, yes, yeah. Danny Boyle films like Sunshine, Slumdog Millionaire, Train Spotting, 
Um, Watch They Live. That's a good one. Cat in the Hat. That's not a DVD. You keep thinking that's a DVD. Oh, I yeah, own. you just watched it on Netflix. Yeah, I sorry. will never own Cat in the Hat on DVD. <laughs> okay. Unless, you know, life is really going pear-shaped. Um, let's get into today's film. Yeah. I realise we're... <laughs> sorry. we're, we're, we're... <laughs> um, so, yeah, the first film of the day is the most recent film. It's a 2020 film uh, called I'm Thinking of Ending Things, based on the book by Ian Reid. Uh, the Google synopsis says, oh my god, this is a rubbish one. Okay. <laughs> to be it. fair, it's kind of hard to do a synopsis for this, as we've established with previous uh, surreal films, but Google synopsis nine times out of ten usually has a rubbish synopsis. So today's one is, full of misgivings, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to her parents' secluded farm. Yeah, but... I think in terms of spoiler-free, <laughs> in terms sure. of spoil, like, that's a decent... Because you... There's, you know, I'm I'm gonna struggle actually to talk about this film without spoiling it, but I'm gonna oh, do same. my best. But yeah, so this yeah. is um yeah, this is Kaufman's latest film. This is his third uh film as a director, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Yeah, because Anomalisa was previous. Yeah. Although was, uh, that was yeah, co directed, but yeah, it was yeah, co directed, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's his third Good venture chance. as a director. It's like his I think eighth venture as a writer or ninth or whatever. But All right. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. So, <laughs> oh dang, sorry, not to cut you off. I just quickly am gone onto the IMDb trivia because that's how what I'll be doing today. Okay. Uh, this for some reason I don't know how uh true this is, but the trivia says potentially Ch- Charlie Kaufman's final directorial effort. Oh wow! So, before we go into it, what he's do you thinking think of ending things. He's thinking of ending. Wow, what a cheap <laughs> joke from me. <laughs> But yeah, the the film is a really odd one. I remember, so I watched it the first time about a month ago, and mm. I I didn't know what to think of it. So I I slept on it, and then I wrote a very long review of it on Letterboxd, just trying mm. to. the The review I wrote was basically me just trying to understand the film, just trying to navigate, basically saying like right. it's it's very surreal. I didn't understand the whole film while watching it. I understood the basic premise and certain elements of it but i i really didn't have a handle on what it was doing because the film yeah like you said in the synopsis it's about um a girl called lucy or is she (laughs) she has well she's credited as the young woman the young woman yes and take that what you will her boyfriend jake go to um go to see jake's parents basically for a yeah the go to meet his parents and it's all about the weird things that happen and the conversations they have with each other while on the journey mm. to their parents' house and on the journey back. And basically it reveals more about their relationship. And throughout the whole thing, she's thinking of ending things with right. Jake and hence the title. So not really mm-hmm. a spoiler, but <laughs> right. um, yeah, it's, it is a very odd odd film i didn't understand it uh when i first watched it there's a lot of ideas being thrown around in the film a lot of sort of big ideas about sort of the concept of what is a relationship and our perception of each other and there's a lot of literary references and film references there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of references to oklahoma in the mm. film um and musicals in general and yeah i just i felt that with a lot of these big ideas that were expressed in the film, a lot of them were expressed in the form of these very long, kind of pretentious, disconnected monologues, I think, right. that felt a bit contrived. And, 
you know, I'm sure that's what Kaufman was going for, but I didn't exactly gel with it. I don't know what what right. did you think? No, I, 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 yeah, I get that. I like literally as I was kind of I wasn't sure whether or not you were going to say it, and I was like, it was like, yeah, as you're describing it, the film sounds pretentious, mm. and and I feel like that is a trap. And I don't like using that word for any sort of art house film or anything because I feel yeah. like people use it way too willy nilly and mm. use the wrong like terminology, but. You know, just a lot of this, a lot of it, it feels you know hoity-toity. <laughs> like, don't like. I really, I really enjoyed it. However, you know, there's a case to be made that if I didn't like look up stuff afterwards or look up certain references, that I wouldn't have enjoyed the film as much. And yeah, that may be intended. You know, it's definitely not intended to watch be watched once. Mm. But you could it kind of feels like it's talking down to its viewers a bit. I, that yeah, that's, I agree with that a lot. That's, that's how I'd put it. It is kind of talking down. Cause I think when I wrote this long review of the film, one of the things I wrote, cause you're right, it does have a lot of references to, to things that you might have to research afterwards, but not only that, but it has references to the book it's based on that aren't fully <laughs> developed in the way right. that they should be, that they are in the book. And I just feel like, because I, I wrote that when when you have a film adaptation, I think that adaptation should be able to stand on its own and be able to be enjoyed sure. in its own right without the audience having to have a lot of direct prior knowledge of that source material in order to enjoy it. Right. And I found that because, so after watching this film for the first time, I went and listened to the audiobook. And I think, and before I listened to the audiobook, Joe, you sent me a video comparing the film Oh yeah, the, the book. Oh, I always forget. I'm subscribed to her, but it's Spooky Astronauts, I believe, is her name on YouTube. Spooky um, Astronauts. Yeah, there's a horror channel. Okay. Um, which is in, yeah, it's interesting, real quick, because this is his like his most genre film. It's still very much a Kaufman film in mm. that you know it's very cerebral and surreal and doesn't really go into much uh, many genres. However, this film is has a lot of horror elements. And yeah, I, I think that's where the film works the most for me. It is when uh, shit is hitting the fan and yes. there's a lot of tension and suspense. Uh, when it's just references, not mm. so much. It's yeah, it's a better directed film I think than it is a written film because which is interesting. Cause like he's mainly yeah, known he's for more the, known yeah. as a writer, but it's like you said because. Um, the scenes, especially the scenes that take place in the house, are really well directed. I think they're incredibly yeah, they spend, eerie yeah. and they look great. They, they build tension. Yeah, like, the cinematography yeah. is great. The set designs are really, you know, they draw you in. And I, I really like the editing in this film mm. as well. The way it sort of, the, the characters will be speaking and the way it cuts a little bit too quickly is like right. it adds to that sort of eerie, almost unreal nature of the film, which as the film transpires, you realize right. is the case. It's sort of not not to spoil anything but yeah you know not everything that's going on in the film is actually is what it seems <laughs> is is what it seems yeah it's all yeah. a bit yeah there's a sort of unrealness to it and yeah for me i agree those were the best parts of the film because it did make you feel sort of tense and uncomfortable and some of the conversation scenes as well like it right we're, we're taking dumps on the script a lot here but some of the dialogue between characters like between Jake and the woman were quite good, I think, at sort of portraying the the awkward nature of mm. um, 
sort of not very happy relationships. And I think those moments, those conversation scenes harken back to like older Kaufman films where the characters, because he has a habit of writing like awkward characters in his films, doesn't he? Sort of very socially adept, socially inept characters. And, you know, the way they talk is kind of like in adaptation where he wrote, um, he's in that film and he's very, he's not very good with women. He sort of stumbles on his words a lot. It seems like most Charlie Kaufman films are that character. Exactly, they are that character, and he's kind of perfected that character, the sort of socially awkward guy, and the way characters speak to issues. Yeah, and I think he's kind of, he's mastered that, and I think that's why those scenes were some of the best written in the film. But I think, yeah, a lot of it is just kind of references. It's really hard to not talk like circles around the film, but it's, it's... Apart from what's in the trailer, it's, you know, a lot of the... Like, if we talk about one certain element and then really delve into it, it it's, it's, it spoils the whole thing. Yeah. But um, I guess what we can say is that there's a lot of deliberate discontinuity going off of what you said with the, mm. with the set. Uh, you know, they'll be eating and the food is never empty and stuff like that. Or yeah. There's definitely a dreamlike clothes, feel to yeah. it, yeah. Certain characters' clothes change pretty much every second. Yeah. Um Giving like giving this uh, never-ending loop feel. It's really hard to talk about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am going to try and sort of tip show sure. around it. And uh, um, but yeah, and uh, this was shot by. Oh, why, why have I lost his it's name? It's the cinematographer of Cold War, isn't it? Yes. I can't remember their name, but I think it's Luke Lucas something. Yes. Um, yeah, mm. we'll we'll find that out. Later. We'll find that out. But yeah, so. <laughs> After reading the audiobook for this mm. film, it was interesting comparing the two because the book... So the film, like I said before, has a lot of these sort of pretentious, disconnected monologues that the characters right. say that doesn't really move the story along but kind of feels like they're mouthpieces for Charlie Kaufman. And then after right. you read the book, there are... The book also does have a lot of these monologues about like seemingly disconnected things about, you know, the nature of being and what have you. But I felt like in the book, these monologues were kind of more character focused and more right. intimate because they seem the monologues seemed more directly related to the characters, I think, rather than just, oh, have you seen this John Cassavetes film? It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. And yeah. also, yeah, the book The book is also quite surreal because, I mean, the whole story is very surreal and strangely told. But I think there's a lot more clarity in the book. Um, the ending of it, They're which, both stream of consciousness, right? They're both stream of consciousness. They're both sort of very introspective, subjective narratives. Because right. um, the book is basically told from the point of view of the woman and... The whole thing is in her head, basically t- telling you her wait, thoughts. Would, 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 surely the film is rather than the no, book. Right? The book is oh. the book oh, okay. is the book is her oh, right. okay. basically okay. narrating the whole thing. Okay. Um, oh, I, I thought it was. I, to be fair, I haven't uh, read the book or heard it. Um, but I, I, I was, I was, was under the impression that the the book goes more into Jake's uh, psyche rather than the the woman. Well, it kind of goes into both right. well, as you okay. know there's a thing mm-hmm. that <laughs> but yeah. um, what was I going to say okay. the ending has a lot more clarity in the book right. I think oh, I don't want to yeah, spoil it the, it's super not clear the, the, ending. the ending in the film I'm is just, very abstract I don't want to dismiss yeah. it right away because I don't fully sure. 
understand but understand it but it's not it doesn't mirror what happens in the book and i think in the book not only is the ending explained more clear but it's very it's a lot more horrific it's more of the horror genre it's a very scary ending right. it's incredibly unsettling and it's clear as well as to what so, happens <laughs> what, what do you think of uh overall charlie kaufman's adaptation of this and how, the changes that have been made or anything that's been added to it where where does it succeed and where doesn't it succeed um i think oh, sorry someone just came in <laughs> sorry um i think structurally it's very similar to the book in terms of like they're on the road then they're at the house then they go somewhere else it's structurally very similar to the book tonally it's very similar it has the very unsettling nature throughout and the sort of the eeriness and you don't really know what's going on i think that's kept in the film mm. uh i think yeah where, where it falters like i said before is in the sort of very esoteric references to old films and <laughs> musicals and literature and wordsworth that right. kaufman has added in himself that aren't in the book and he's definitely gone for something a lot more abstract and harder to sort of fully understand. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I've, mm. I'm just, so I don't know where to stand on arguably Charlie Kaufman deliberately alienating the audience mm. with this film in particular. Well, I guess you could say for the second one as well, but the, Again, it's just a lot of required research. And yeah, you know, Charlie Kaufman's not super uh, accessible. However, he has written films uh, mainly for... It's mainly when he writes films for other directors that his films are majorly accessible and, like, still go into weird elements but veer on mainstream. Like, mm. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, given its quirks, is still a fairly mainstream romance. Whereas... Uh, the films that he directs um, kind of eat themselves. And yeah, it's, it's it, yeah. And the only other example I can think of is Dan Harmon, latter half of Community and Rick and Morty, where stuff gets too surreal yeah. to the point where it's the narrative eating itself because it's addressing the narrative. Yeah, you know, and then just in a loop. Um, yeah. It focuses I don't, more I don't on know being. Where, yeah, yeah, I don't know where to stand on. Charlie Kaufman doing that in this film. He seems uh, to be from because so, I've seen almost all of his films now, and he seems to be at his best when he has almost all of the control, but not quite <laughs> all mm. of it. You know? Yes. Because so two films that we're talking about on this episode, this one and another one, are ones that he's directed by himself and written by himself. And, and those much, the, yeah, he's got full creative control. And the, yeah, the ones where he has absolute creative power and control are the ones where they are kind of a bit too self-indulgent and rough around the edges, yeah. I think. Yeah. And he kind of, he needs someone, he needs to be on a long leash, basically, I think. I, I, I still like this film quite a lot, don't yeah. get me wrong. It's just, yeah, it's it needs addressing. Because it's like, if it's someone that was strictly a writer, director, for the a, a writer for their own films, then mm. you know we can. This argument isn't uh, all the way apt, but like considering he's mainly known for writing for other people and how the success rate, the the how they compare, it, it needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, 
at the same time, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to say, you know, take creative control away from someone. However, <laughs> I don't know. I just, yeah. I, no, I think it's because, you know, he's become... The more I think about the film, the more I'm like... Because, mm. <laughs> yeah, he's become more and more successful over the years, hasn't he? He's won right. his Oscar now. He's directing films. And I think with that control, there is a sort of... He isn't reining it in anymore, really. He's kind of going full right. throttle, mm. just opening up his brain and smearing right. it onto the audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas, like like you said, with his earlier films, he was working with other collaborators like Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry, and even right. Anomalisa had Duke Johnson, but... Yeah, which I think was solely because of just the animation. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure he had some kind of creative yeah, yeah, input. Yeah, yeah, but as in, like, that's how it came together. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, should we touch upon the performance in this in this film because yes uh i think that's one of the the main elements that holds the film up where whenever it doesn't work is the performances and they're great yeah i <laughs> really like them around. they're really good um well it is mainly these these four four to five people yeah uh, jesse plemons jesse buckley tony collette and david thewlis yeah it's mainly th- these four people that there are other characters that come and go, but they're very much uh, plot devices. Mm. Uh, whereas, yeah, it's mainly... We, we don't even see uh, David Fulis and Tony Collette for a while. However, it, the, the looming element of them arriving is a part yeah. of the film. And whenever they're on screen, they they, they just chew the scenery. They just two. steal it, don't they? They're... They they just... <laughs> That's the good thing about Charlie Kaufman going full Kaufman is that they get to be the maddest they can be, and <laughs> Tony Collette and David Thewlis are great at doing that. Um, they are incredible, like, you know, because you know really nothing about their, well, not very much about their characters, and you right. want to know more. I think, and that shows what a good performance can do. I think what a great performance can do. Like they just let David Thewlis do his craziest Northern accent, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, go on, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then t- Tony Collette, is just, she's just great at being mad. She's mm. a great actor in general, but like this and Hereditary is just perfect. I and they show it. a I lot of range it in day. it as well, I think, because there's oh, yeah, there's moments in the film where they have to act like a slightly alternative version of themselves. Not yeah. that I'd, again, I don't want to reveal too much it's, about this film. We need to pick less like spoiler centric films. I've realised <laughs> like. This is the equivalent of talking about Sixth Sense and not yeah. being able to talk about the but main thing of Sixth it's, Sense. <laughs> it's like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of um, discontinuity in the film yes. and there are moments where that discontinuity affects their characters in terms of who... Well, I won't say what, but, mm, <laughs> but right. it shows that they have to um, change their mannerisms slightly, like their posture and their, their voice, and it's they mm. do a really good job, I think. It's yeah. very well done. It, which is like, especially so- something worth noting when the actors have said, like, uh, in press that in the press that like they've read the script and they still don't know what it's about. <laughs> like, like, so I can imagine that would have been really hard taking notes and especially if it was shot out of order, like where to pick up on. Yeah, and, yeah. Of course they're good at what they do. They're great actors, but I mean, it's you know. They should get their flowers. Like <laughs> they're, they're great, and uh, yeah. Jesse uh, Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons. Uh, uh, this wasn't intended, by the way. Like uh, when you watch the film, you think, "Oh, the fact they're both called Jesse, that must be something." But no, uh, originally uh, Jesse uh, Buckley's uh, role was going to be played by Brie Larson, 
and then she had to oh, okay. back out. Um, that could have been interesting. Yeah, but I I feel like Jessie Buckley's perfect in this role, and mm. she's very she's good. great. Um, because I think we both saw her originally in Wild Rose, and then mm. she's n- n- then in Chernobyl and some other stuff. So she's like slowly going up the ranks, and I just she's great in this, and J- Jesse Plemons especially as well. I feel like there are some Philip Seymour Hoffman isms in Jesse Plemons in this film, but maybe that's just part of have like watching previous Charlie Kaufman stuff and that's not mm. to take away from his performance but I feel like Charlie Kaufman has a has a, ma- a like a male actor archetype that he likes to fill <laughs> the sort of podgy it, socially awkward man <laughs> I, I guess more just like how he directs uh, misery <laughs> yeah <laughs> like... but it's funny you say that because I was talking uh, to my mum about this film and she mm. says that Jesse Plemons reminds her of Philip Seymour Hoffman. So, exactly, and she yeah. hasn't even seen the film. So I think right. there is, there's something there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, did you watch this with your parents? For no. The first time. I, oh. I showed my mum the trailer. She found it interesting. I I'm not sure. She said she might watch it. I, but then she said she's not too sure. I don't know. Right. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> if I'd recommend it to any family. It yeah. depends on what they like. But, um, yeah. I, I Okay, and something I'm remembering now, because it's been a while since I've seen this. I've seen this twice, I believe, but from when we confirmed when the films were, it's been it's been a long gap in between recording. But uh, I love the score. The score is great. The, the score nice. reminds me of yeah. Coraline. I yes, don't know if you I get, get that. that vibe. Yeah. But there's a repeated motif, and it sounds very much like the Coraline soundtrack, and it's just mm, yeah. chef's kiss. But... Uh, yeah, I, I say that, and I should have, you know, Blumen had the composer up. I don't... <laughs> it's okay. I'm not going to try and find it. But I did find the cinematographer, and it's... I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name, but it's Lucas Zal, uh, who did Loving Vincent, uh, Cold War, and Ida. Um, I say Loving Vincent, surprisingly, because I... Because I, that film is so rotis... Like, painted over, yeah. I think, of the, uh, the actual... The cinematographer, yeah. Yeah. Um... It's yeah, weird watching this film this. a second time. <laughs> well, you've seen this three times, right? So I, no, I've seen it twice. I read it. I oh, okay. watched it the first time. I listened to the book, and then I watched it again. While sort of because the second time I watched it, I was going back and forth between the film and the book, and like I think my criticism still stands. <laughs> of I bet you can't wait to get out of this film's headspace. <laughs> I <just> really can't. <laughs> I'm done with. I'm thinking of finishing with this film. Uh, no, uh, no, I, I, cause, yeah. Sorry, so I was chess. watching the film for the second time, and I every now and again I'd pause it, go back to the audiobook and listen. I think, okay, what are these Dang. characters talking about at this time? <laughs> right. What are they doing? And yeah, I think my criticism from when I first watched the film still stands of like an adaptation of a book should be able to stand on its own. Because although I did understand more about the plot and the story and the themes after listening to the book, that wasn't a, because of the film, you know? That wasn't because mm. the film helped me understand. That's because the book helped me understand. Yeah. And there are things like there's the... not to, Again, not to spoil it, I'm repeating myself, but there's a scene involving a photograph. Right. You know which one yeah. I mean. Yeah, which, yeah. Yeah. in the book, is properly set up and paid off. In the film, they there's the setup, but I right. don't feel like there's the payoff. And it's just I think like, that's, yeah. He does that deliberately, where it's just things are very Easter eggy. Um, and I, note that, I noticed that especially on rewatch, 
because uh, mm. on rewatch I had these noise cancelling headphones that I'm wearing at the moment, and it's like, oh, I'm hearing semi important parts that I wouldn't have heard before because he literally just kind of sprinkled them, <laughs> and I'm also seeing things that I wouldn't have seen on rewatch, which again he wants, but uh, but it, yeah. it just seems like bad adapting, doesn't it? On if I look at it on face value, like you're you're taking right. bits and pieces from the book without properly fleshing them out, it just seems like the wrong way to adapt something. But again, I I, you, I think you know, I I I don't know if I'm correct in this, but I'm pretty sure the author was like, "How are you gonna adapt this?" Like, <laughs> he, like he was concerned as to how it, it like a, a lot of people thought it was unfilmable, but mm. uh, apparently. One of the main reasons Charlie Kaufman wanted to film this was that he was like, oh, this is super easy to do on a low budget. It's like three yeah. or four locations and not a lot of actors. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is interesting because it's like, I guess that wasn't his sole reason, but it was one, like in, in pretty much every interview that I've seen, that's why, he, why he's mentioned. Mm. Like, that's what he's mentioned as to why he wants to film it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, <laughs> the more I think about it, the more there's a lot of criticism I have. But I still really like the film. Yeah, I you just... seemed very warm to it because you've seen it twice and you gave yeah. it a, a decent I gave rating. It like four or five stars. Four or five stars, so... yeah. Yeah, no, I did. I really liked it. However, there are just a lot of talking down to the. There's a lot of talking down to the audience. Yeah. And it's like I don't. Do I want to rewatch it? Like, <laughs> do I want to continue to go into this? Mm. Um you know, on repeated viewing, but I, I mean, I have, so he's, in that sense, he's done his job. But... Yeah, no, it's definitely a film that's gotten me thinking, you know, it's yeah. made me actively watch it and actually think critically about, you know, right. why, is this good? Why is it good? Right. How is this similar to the book? Is that a good thing? It's, you know, it's definitely gotten my critical juices flowing, so sure, <laughs> it's, sure. Yeah. it's got that to its credit, and I think that's what Charlie Kaufman wants. It's more you know, watchable he does... than another film that I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk yes, about. Yes, that's uh, our, the next one. I'm just going through my notes to see if there's anything else sure. I wanted. I've talked about... Oh, should we talk about the Oreo burr? <laughs> I don't I don't have any I think uh, I think that was what I was going to touch upon uh, when we said, like, what, what's he added to it that isn't mm. in the book? So, uh, so ha- yeah. We can talk about the Oro Burr without spoiling it. It's, it's not a it's, spoiler. It's literally no. a prop in the film. <laughs> it's not so a an spoiler. An Oro Burr is a uh, sort of ice cream milkshake smoothie thing yes. that the characters eat in it. And uh, it's not in the book. It's not in it's the book, no. In the book, it's like a frozen think. lemonade, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not... A, yeah, this isn't really... A, a, a criticism it's just, it's just a really, like a little like, easter egg st- stupid nitpick i have with this film is that he describes jesse Plemons's character oh describes <laughs> ice cream milkshakes as sweet and like an oreo milkshake because that's what it is really oh my god isn't sweet what well, like i it's not savory duh but like is <laughs> yeah we had this conversation before the podcast. How and, would you describe it? So I think I would describe it as sweet, but I know because you were kind of subcategorizing the word sweet into right. sort of creamy and zesty, I think. Well, like, or like when I think of someone <laughs> describing something as sweet, I think of like, you know, like fruity yeah, or fruity or like, uh, like juicy. Yeah. Like I think of like, a, you know, those rhubarb and custard like sweets that you kind of suck mm. on with the sugar, just very sugary. Like a starburst. Would, yeah. would be sweet. That would yeah. be sweet, yeah. But, uh, like, an Oreo milkshake is just... I think I would... thick, I but, think like... I would, still, I would still call it sweet, I think. Okay. Um, 
But I do understand. Have your an Oreo point. milkshake, listeners, and then uh, let us <laughs> we know. We are not what you sponsored think. by Oreos. <laughs> Oreo Brewer sponsor us. I'm not a real product, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going through my notes to see if there's anything sure, sure. else I wanted to mention. Currently drinking some water out of a sprite bowl. If in case you guys are wondering why. I keep hearing that. Um, not an Oreo burr. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make me want an Oreo burr, I have to say. No, I, I wanted No, they one. just, they looked... I just, I just did, I hated, I, it like got at me for some reason, him describing it as sweet. Because he kept saying it, and I'm like, it's not fucking sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, they just looked really like clunky and too much in the film. And in yeah, the film they, they are, like they, they're they too would much. They your heart. They like... look like, because even the characters, again, this isn't a spoiler, but the characters are no. like, oh, this is too much Oreo burr for me. <laughs> I've just spoiled the whole film. Yeah. Oh, okay. Another thing I want to mention. I didn't write it in my notes. Table but the very so, yeah. ending of the film mm-hmm. has. Oh god, I don't want to spoil can... it. Uh, but I, it has I, a, it has a reference to yep. a film. Uh huh. You know which film, and that's not in the book at all, and is completely added by Kaufman. Yeah. And I didn't understand that without is it, revealing is it Kaufman or Kaufman. I say Kaufman. Okay. Tomato, tomato. Uh, Some people say Kaufman. I don't know. uh, We had this uh, second episode where uh, Hockaday was saying Charlemagne to the Chalamet, and I was like, (laughs) Timothy Charlemagne. I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) Timothy, you don't know what to say. Um, Um, Yeah. Sorry, yeah. um, Just to sort of bounce off you with that scene without spoiling too much for the audience. what what did you think of that? Did you understand it? Did you like it? What what's going I think on? The, the Oreo burr is the plot device. No no no, not the Oreo burr. The very oh, okay. ending ending scene. Oh oh gosh. Gotcha, the, okay. the where he's uh, at the on the stage. I legit first time watching it when it ended, I went, "Is that it?" <laughs> Which I, I happens a lot with art house films. Uh, yeah. But again, looking it up later, I'm like, "Oh, it makes sense." Given the uh, the final shot and what's happened prior and why that's happened, um, okay. I can't. You know, this we're tiptoeing. We'll talk it. about it post episode because I'm <laughs> sure. actually. I think quite listeners, interested. if they have watched this, uh, if if they have watched this film beforehand, they will understand what we're talking about. In that, yeah. the final shot uh, is indicative of oh my gosh, of <laughs> how how the character is, and then. There's a little like curtain pull as to what's happened. That, okay. Does that make any sense? Uh, again, I'll I, I will I'll ask you again you. for a more direct answer after I'll, I'll, we've stopped I'll, recording. I'll sign it but... to you. He he's look at me. He's... Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Great, great uh, for listeners there. Again, I... though, it's like <laughs> it's just more references, though, isn't it? I exactly. So like, it's a it's a reference. The I filmmaker, not us. <laughs> um. I legit debated once we like get a giant amount of uh, listeners uh, that if we ever needed a Patreon, that the perk would be us on on video. You'd be able to see us on video as well oh, as hear us. But uh, <laughs> they don't want to see. Let me. <laughs> let us know whether or not you guys would want that. Um, currently, at the moment, I'm in my new house. Uh, with, I've got a creaky chair. Uh, we've got some records in the background. Um, we got Bubble Boy, uh, the disc on the wall because we're not allowed to put any posters up, um, and there was already hooks on the wall, so I've hung that up, and that's the stuff you're missing out on visually. 
And I'm thinking of ending this section. <laughs> also, and just before we close off on this one, because I've sure. gone through all my notes, and I assume mm-hmm. you've kind of I'm, I'm done as well. Losing, yeah. Uh, losing just I, this review of mine has been very sporadic of the film, uh, like the film, <laughs> like the film. Yeah, but if you want to see a more concise, uh, sure. eloquent review, check out my letterbox at Clappy P. I wrote it one is, for my one. first time watching of the film. I think it's a lot more better expressed than what I've said here. <laughs> Hey guys, don't listen to what we say. No, Go no, to something no. Listen, else. Yeah, it's. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, <laughs> the the spooky astronauts video is very good as well. Mm. Um, it is. It, I it, saw it. It, it was very insightful. The, the the book and the uh, the the film, um, and usually I really don't like it when uh someone i think i've I've mainly had people say this in terms of the divergent series but when they go like oh you have to read the book in order to get the film mm. and that shouldn't be the case but this is why i keep like, saying like an yeah. adaptation should stand on its own and it didn't sure. and that's why i had to read the book in order to yeah grasp this film. do you is, think you'll was ever that your read first it? i i think so but was was that your first audiobook that was my first audiobook yeah how so it's slightly off topic but you know we're not <laughs> you're not gonna get like a jstor podcast um <laughs> What, uh, how was that experience for you? And then how was it with this film being such a stream of consciousness film, like a uh, stream of consciousness book? Does that, does that af- affect the experience or? Yeah, well, like, I'd, I'd have to compare it to other audio books that are not sure, stream of but, consciousness, but, right, um, but how, it, yeah, how was it in, as a whole? It was interesting. It was, I found it very easy to picture what was happening, partly because I'd already seen the film, you know, I could picture mm. what the characters looked like and their situation and it is it is well written. It keeps you interested because I, I listened to it over the course of three days because it's about oh, I think five and a half hours of worth of listening. So right, right. It is it's good though. You can just I just kind of close my eyes and just listen to it and let it take me. <laughs> yeah, because it's quite like, nice. I think sadly some people like kind of turn up their nose a bit at, at audiobooks, but I I really want to get into them. Mm. And it's a, it's a you know it's a easier way to get it's a quicker way to get through a book yeah some I mean, of us yeah. don't have time you know well because so I'm, I'm yeah i'm dyslexic so obviously it's uh i read a lot slower than other people right. so audiobooks are kind of they're perfect for me sure um, there, there yeah. is a um there's an audiobook version of corn by your name with army hammer reading oh, it okay and i think there's also a audiobook of one of the bond uh bond books but it's david oyelowo reading it mm. um so yeah, that's okay. just I might check those out. Um, Do you think you'll ever listen to the audiobook of I'm thinking of, of ending things? I think so, but I'm similar to you in the sense of like I don't know if I want to be in the headspace of the film <laughs> uh, of the book because yeah. it is depressing, and that's kind of and it kind of added to the gap in recording this is like two out of three of these films are very full on and depressing and if you're going through similar stuff it's like yeah do i want to do like it's not comforting you don't feel like you're in the void with it you just i I think it's mainly for the second film today that i've been the most apprehensive but uh yeah and i think the book i found a little bit more depressing than the film because like i said there is more clarity you get a better idea of what has actually happened and it is dark what happens so sure yeah it is kind of you know it's not a happy read exactly but i would recommend it yeah, and I'd oh, recommend the film to those yeah. who want to. Sorry, I, I've forgotten that we've got builders on top of our roof. All right. Uh, well, not because it's a it's attached to another house, uh, attached to another house. So, if you hear rubble sliding down my walls, 
that's why, because uh, <laughs> it's really annoying. But uh, I'm, I completely forgot about that, guys. So if that's, I'm sorry if that's been the case. Um, and before we quickly wrap up, I, I think I've just got to say, like, I think where this film really excels is in the performances and the horror aspects. Yeah, the direction certainly. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then when it doesn't, is, you know, sporadic referencing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which I feel like I may be hypocritical in that sense because, you know, films like Chunking Express and other films are very referential. and mm. But I like them, uh, I guess more intertextual, and but I like them better. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out why that is, but I can't give you the full answer for that today. That's fair enough. I think with Chunking Express, that film is such a film that you can let go over you as you're watching it that you don't have to necessarily get all of it. Whereas this, it's clearly being like, Wordsworth, Oklahoma, <laughs> A Beautiful Mind. Have you watched this? Robert have you read this? What do you think? Yeah, I laughed at that reference, but uh, like, yeah. it is a bit... Uh, I wasn't a fan of know? it. It <laughs> seemed like another talking down scene of like, haha, right. isn't yeah. Robert Zemeckis a normie? <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I know that wasn't exactly. the meaning though. It's just how I... Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought when first watching it. <laughs> yeah. Shall we, shall we get into uh, the second film of the day? Yeah, our uh, cool. second film of the day. Um, it, yeah, is Synecdoche, New York. Uh, I will go through the synopsis, but I'm going to qu- quickly uh, give a, an, a quicker analogy for when I watched this film. Um, when I first watched this film, I had just submitted my final submissions, the grad project. Everything was finally submitted. And... Uh, at the ha- in the house I was in at the time, we had a film rotor, which we've spoken about on the podcast, where it's a person, a person's choice per day. And yeah. It, it was it was Owen's choice that day, and uh, after I'd submitted, I you know to celebrate, I went to the offy and got a, a curry and a and some wine, and got you know a, bit, a, bit, a little bit placid. Um, yeah. No and harm this, there. This, this film is very much not for that. No. Nope. Do not do not drink to this film at all. It will not help. Um, to everyone out there, do not get drunk. Watch, Doesn't help if you're watching. sober though either. Honestly, no. <laughs> like I've watched this twice sober, and it's not you know. Don't get it's drunk not easier. to Charlie Kaufman. And you know what? First, I'll, I'll I'll say it. First time watching, I'm thinking of things. I, I was I was a little tipsy, but I wasn't I wasn't out there like. Mm. Uh, unlike with the the with Synecdoche, New York, I, yeah, I I highly recommend people don't do that. Um, but yeah, Synecdoche, New York. The uh, synopsis reads: Life is look looking pretty bleak for theatre director Caden Cotard, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. His wife and daughter have left him. His therapist is more interesting in, interested in plugging her new book than helping him with his problems, and a strange disease is causing his body to shut down. Caden leaves his home in Schenectady, New York, because uh, it's a different spelling, and heads to New York City, where he gathers a cast of actors and tells them to live their lives within the constructs of a mock-up of the city. What do we think of that? It's, that's I, a I, good... I fumbled a lot there, but yeah. That's, that's a good that's synopsis. synopsis. Yeah, that's a very good synopsis, I would say. Um, yeah, so he... Caden is this uh, playwright that is, um, you know, writing this play... And making this play for like twenty, thirty years, his whole life basically, his yeah. whole rest of his life. 
Can you see why I didn't want to come back to this film, Matt? I do, I do see why you didn't want to come back to it. I completely understand, and it's fine. I've seen this film twice now. I, um, I first yeah. saw it a couple years ago, back when I just started second year at uni. Mm. And then I rewatched it recently, about a month ago, right after I'm thinking of ending things. And both times, it is a very depressing, depressing watch. Say, it's it is one of the most depressing films. I've it ever is seen. like the <laughs> film version of the concept of depression, basically. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, it's... which you know, it's do- like it's what it wants to talk about, so that you know, it's doing good in that sense. But mm. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to. I kept. I kept feeling like it would be a chore to watch, and I kept putting it off. And I was never in the right headspace to give this a rewatch. Mm. And I should have given it a rewatch uh, in order to analyse it. Similar to, I'm thinking of ending things like like these films would have done better if I had watched them freshly. Mm. Um, however, you know, it's it's saying something when I you know I put a ten foot pole in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how how was it for you on rewatch? It was it was interesting. Uh, just sorry, just before I talk about the film, I'd like to say that on something I wasn't proud of was that when I saw this film, I wrote a review of it on Letterboxd, and for a lot of that review, I was just comparing it to I'm thinking of ending things, and I know that's like the number one thing you shouldn't do as a film critic. Just I mean, compare it to films, but. They are I, similar. Because the only reason... They do different yeah, things, but they are similar. The main reason I did it was because in my review of I'm Thinking of Ending Things that I did the night before, mm. I was very... I, I made a sweeping statement about Synecdoche, New York, and I was like, oh, it's just a film of big ideas and it doesn't execute them well. <laughs> and then I actually rewatched the film again after right. two years and I was like, oh, okay, right, I need to write a proper review about sure. this film because it, it is... It deserves better than that. Like, whether you like this film or not, I think it deserves a proper mm. analysis, not just yeah. a sweeping, dismissive comment of, oh, it's, it's all right. And I <laughs> Six apologize that I'm not going to be doing that today. <laughs> no, it's been this fine. Like, I, I get it. But Listen I it. just want to apologize, yeah, for those who read my letterbox review. I'm not going to take it down because I make a lot no, of no, points like, in that I that I'm going to make here. But, yeah. apologize. Um, also, before we go into this... Uh, when I did post about this on the TAW podcast Instagram, that's TAW podcast, uh, I asked for some, uh, you know, general uh, feedback about the film if the, if people had seen it before, and uh, Beth Bentley uh, replied, and she said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but she was like, it's a great film, it's too long. <laughs> so, I don't know. Mm. What what do, what do we what do you, what do you think of that, Matt? What do you think of the duration of this film and how it? I think the duration the duration isn't my issue with this film. Okay. I have I had mixed feelings towards it. There are things about this film that I really do quite like and I quite respect and there are film there are elements that I don't I'll talk about the things I like about this film mm. first of all. So just straight off the bat Philip Seymour Hoffman is amazing. This is one of the best actors of all time. You know, one of the best actors of all time. Then this is probably arguably one of his career best performances, which is saying yeah. uh, a gargantuan amount for this actor because he has had yeah. a career yeah. of yeah. perfect performances and this one is just kind of the cherry on top of that. It is perfect for him. He was perfect for this film. He's so good, so depressing He's very in, in this film. The character. So vivid. Yeah, he completely gets the character that he's playing. It's amazing. So yeah, his performance in it was really great. Uh, I really liked the first part of the film, how it showed his very steady decline, I think, because you read in the... Steady. Synop- <laughs> well, it's not steady, but, like, sort of... I, I think this film, 
not to cut you off, plays <laughs> like a very quick fever dream. And what, yes, I, I yeah. was drunk when watching it, but it's it's a bit like other people have said that sober and like, <laughs> and bits of I'm thinking of anything's play the same but lesser. So. Maybe, yeah, maybe steady's not the right word, but it shows his <laughs> his um, really tragic decline in the film. Right. Lots of bad things are happening to him in life. He has this disease. Mm. He has issues with his wife. There's something that happens with his daughter. There's just bad things piling up time. <laughs> on top of one another. And I really like that about the film. And the way it expresses that sort of torment that he's going through is really good. Like Because I think the dialogue in this film is good. Like One of the things I wrote in my... Uh, review on Letterboxd comparing the two films that this film actually has like good dialogue that reveals things about the characters in an intelligent way rather than just being like a bunch of university essays that were filmed by Charlie Kaufman <laughs> like in so I'm what, Thinking like of Ending Things <laughs> like in I'm Thinking of Ending Things yeah because yeah, yeah. I don't know, like when he's at the doctor's uh, there's a scene where he's at a doctor's trying to figure out what's wrong with him and he says like what's wrong with me can't, can't you tell me and the doctor just says no and he's like, mm. you can't tell me or I, there's nothing wrong with me. And the doctor just says, no. And it's like little <laughs> moments like that, yeah, like little yeah. comedic funny moments. Again, it harkens back to Kaufman's earlier films of like the sort of socially inept dialogue that the characters have. And I, I really enjoyed those moments in the film and just the general isolation that you get of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is really great. And it's right. built up really well in the film and I, I i really like the ending as well which i'm gonna talk about in a few minutes but again but not in a dancey way right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna dance around it i'm gonna talk cool. about why i liked it without revealing too much but sure sure yeah um yeah and another thing i liked is not only are the sequences in this film in increasingly tragic but they're also increasingly ridiculous as well like mm. the film does veer off a lot from real life and becomes very surreal very quickly and it sort of adds to that sort of balance of comedy and drama which i i really liked about it mm. i don't know i thought tonally this film was pretty good throughout yeah uh, i yeah so going off of like again i know you don't want to compare them but yeah i feel like i have to in order to <laughs> that's that's point. fine i've done it so um, you can do it so obviously I'm thinking of anything as very intertextual and so is Synecdoche, New York. Uh-huh. But Synecdoche, Synecdoche, New York does it better because it it's weaved within and out of the film instead of just getting beaten over your head. Exactly, with. yeah. There are elements that you don't even know are, are, like, are a reference. Uh, for instance, I've just pulled up the IMDb. Uh, at the start of the film where Philip Seymour Hoffman is reading the news uh, at the breakfast table, he reads out that Har- Harold Pinter has died. Wait, no, he's won the Nobel Prize. And this is a reference to a, a Sky News clip where someone accidentally read that Harold Pinter was dead. Um, in, but he was, yeah, it was just a reference uh, yeah, to... Yeah, I think a, I'd heard about that. A Sky News fuck-up. But, but you're like, right, it is a lot more subtle, isn't it? And, and, it every, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, certain characters' names mean different things. Mm. And uh, he, he's even... He, he's written the lyrics for the, for the f- film, for the soundtrack. He, he, mm. Like, whenever there's a character singing, he's, he's written the lyrics for that. Mm. Um, it's, like, it's little subtle things that you don't even necessarily have to know about. And you yeah. still enjoy the film. Whether it just... Yeah. Thing of ending things goes, hey, remember a woman under the influence? We're going to talk about that for, <laughs> for five like minutes. a solid ten minutes. Yeah. What, and and then yeah, like the, and then this one has little 
things sprinkled here and there. Yeah, um, it just it feels more it tangible. I think yeah. it feels like you're watching characters in a environment rather than yeah. having a director talk to you through people. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is a few things I liked about the film. Going into the things I wasn't too keen on. Um, sure. I'm just going to my notes. Yeah, I think, so, although the film, among other things, is about this sort of depression and a sort of an empty world and a sort of physical and psychological decline of a character, right. I think at times it is overly mean-spirited. And I know this sounds... Oh, it's such a mean film. Yeah. It's, I know this sounds naive coming for me because it is kind of meant to be that but i think right it could have held back in a few regards like for example that i mentioned are you earlier talking about what, what i think we're talking are you referencing how the film treats women i'm or? gonna that's one of the things yeah okay <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let you talk about that as well but it just um so i mentioned earlier there's the thing with his daughter mm-hmm. she's very badly treated in the film i wouldn't reveal too much because it is mm-hmm. you know we might have to put an age rating on this podcast but she is <laughs> She is very badly mistreated and it's kind of given nothing more than a sort of very brief side plot that isn't... Right. I can't remember, but I I don't remember it being resolved very well. But also... No, I, I don't... Yeah, I don't I, think I it's don't resolved. Know. I might need to re- I'm not going to rewatch it. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, and also just... So Sorry, not, Finn. I, as, I, I know you're a fan of this film. As, I remember yeah. Finn's got a poster of this somewhere. Um, and oh, I've, I've, I've got... I know quite a few people that, like... It's either their favorite film or one of their favorite films. Mm. I know and Hopper I f- Day likes it a lot. Yeah, from what I remember. And I, I think I just I either need to grow to it or, you know, I yeah, know, live lived a bit more. Which sounds wanky, but uh, <laughs> I just I don't I, I don't want to be depressed. I'm already depressed. But, as yeah, it's like, <laughs> great. <laughs> just going back to the other things that I wasn't too keen on in this film. Just, I think wait, can we can we quickly go uh, on to the point of just Kaufman and female characters in general. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I'll I, let you I, interject briefly so, there, because it kind of ties into what I was going to say, sure. but yeah, go on, yeah. Um, you know, and it, it's, it may seem virtue signally of us to talk about, but we have to talk about it because it's prominent in all of his films, um, but especially this one, uh, th- that, I don't, his, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it without sounding stupid, uh, or just like rambly. His female characters are kind of only written for the purpose of sex a lot yeah. of the time, especially in and this film. With Yeah, and you could argue with this film, because the character is depressed and it's about depression and he's not the most perfect person, that, yeah, makes sense why that's happening. Doesn't make me feel any sympathy for him. Yes. You know? And, like, you, you're meant to... not You're not meant to like a character, but you're at least meant to understand mm. where he or she is coming from uh and it's it's been known as a bit of a meme this sounds crass that uh charlie kaufman's films are like uh this is what happens when someone gets no action but <laughs> i saw that yeah I saw but that this character fucks everyone yeah like there's a lot of... from his daughter obviously but like, <laughs> like it just if you're a female character in this film, you've probably uh, you've probably like, had sex with yeah, Caden, <laughs> and it's it was like, fucking why? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, yeah, because this goes into what I was gonna say. I think that I think generally in this film there is an overuse of sex as a character device, right? And, and it just we're not prudes because I know we've ranted about sex in film before, but like, 
there's a lot know. of it here, and it kind of comes up as like sort of tacky, I think, a yeah, little bit, and a bit sort like, of it's yeah. mean spirited again. And I think, yeah, yeah, going back to what you were saying, because I have another comment, like, not ju- a... like justified or not, it's not fun to watch. Like, no, it's we not fun under- to watch, I guess we but... can understand why the characters are mean spirited because they're not feeling great at the time. However. Mm. Don't want to watch that, and I don't like the character <laughs> for it. So it's yeah. I think a lot of the characters in this film, basically, because the other note I had here was that pretty much every character in this film, apart from Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and his double in the film, Tom Noonan. Oh yeah, is, he's getting he's getting stalked throughout the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every character in the film who isn't those two are very misanthropic and just kind of jaded right. in the film. Like you can't, they don't feel like characters sometimes right. they feel just like mouthpieces. pieces of shit not yeah. not even mouthpieces just like sh- pieces of shit people right. and it's like i i think because I, I wrote in my review on letterbox that if you're gonna make a film with such a big all-encompassing message mm. about sort of depression and people and relationships and such you should have probably more than one deeply interesting character i think because <laughs> it just it doesn't give yeah a lot of worldly perspective it kind of because the film is very internalized i think it's very because it's basically just a projection of kaufman's mind isn't it a lot like with i'm thinking of ending things that i really hope he's okay i hope he's like, okay too like his, I, I his film suggests when, uh, that he isn't i i it's a pet peeve of mine when certain people are like oh this director or writer must be fucked up because look of what they've written yeah. but i think there's only been two times uh, off the top of my head where I'm, i've generally been like is the person making it all right and that's uh park time work for old boy and kaufman for this yeah <laughs> um because i was like okay i i don't know where i'm going with this but like i get that so i know you were saying uh, the, all these characters are, are not great people. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily defending the film. I think it's because it's just trying to make some existential point that you know, uh, life is meaningless. We're all dicks, and life is gonna end soon. So I think that's why they're like that. However, no, I get. Yeah, I understand in that. In terms of enjoyment, you know, it's not enjoyable. I understand and it, why it's, it's not meant that. to be, but. Yeah. I don't know. It like, just seems like a very one-dimensional yeah. way of looking at sure. the world. I think sort of the mindset of everyone's a dick apart from me. <laughs> it's like, and you know, that that is how you feel when you are depressed and you feel like the, the whole world is against you. But mm. I feel like, you know, the film's not really teaching me anything by doing that, by having every character be a shit Apart from yeah. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, well, I'd I'd say he is as well in the char- in the film. He is, but there's a lot more. You know more about him. There's more sympathy right. for him. He's you, more well-rounded than the other characters. You, so you like, do if, feel if, like yeah, when you're yeah. watching it, you feel like you're in his shoes and no one else at like, all. If you're gonna have dickhead characters, at least have them be well-rounded. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. And yeah, you know, I have, I have a lot of respect for Charlie Kaufman. I think he's a really talented writer and director and i think this again this is like what we were talking about earlier about him maybe having a little bit too much control sure in a film well this is his directorial debut this is directorial debut yeah and it is the most like snake eating its own tail yeah it is it's very him all over so i've seen the dvd cover for this right yeah it's marketed like a rom-com really yeah, like, it's fully marketed like a rom-com to the point where it's like, 
it you could argue maybe that's like a little in joke but like i think it's just the studio being like how do we sell this yeah fuck <laughs> um because it's it's like uh philly Seymour hoffman and michelle williams being like like it's in like this nice blue and pink uh mm. like background and whatnot and it's, it's marketed as a quirky rom-com and it's like oh you've got another thing coming uh grandma who's picked this up at a gas station <laughs> 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 but again, how are you going to market it? That's I, such I, a good point. So many unassuming <laughs> people are going to watch this thinking, oh, yeah. what? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, d- I don't know what the point I was making there, but... Uh, no, I, I, I d- understood I your like, point. I feel like fans of this film may be like throwing their chair, being like, you're missing the point, Joe. But like, I don't know. <laughs> I could, maybe it's just not for me that in, in a very yeah, dry I mean, way to say it. You know, we're not giving objective criticisms on this film. Right. These are our these are our views, and we already know sure. that loads of people love this film, and you know, loads of and people with praise a it. Lot of, with a lot of these, like I really, there's a lot I lo- like love and appreciate about this film. Yeah, However, same. There's just a lot of deep seated concerns I have with it. <laughs> I think it does. Again, it's it has what makes other Kaufman films good in that it does take a subject matter that's very deeply personal and expresses it in a way that's incredibly creative and something that we haven't seen before, because I'm, I'm repeating myself from when I said this earlier, but <laughs> yeah, um, I think this is a lot more rough around the edges and self-indulgent than his other films that use that other method, and I think, yeah, like you said, it is kind of the sort of eating your own tail kind of mm. thing, isn't it? But I, I do have, overall, have respect for this film, and I overall like it, I think, because mm. mm. it is... There was you can tell that there was a lot of passion it's and a, a lot it's of. A, it's a giant feat, like yeah, it's like impressive both, with it, both what the character does in the film and mm. just making that type of film. And I'm sure it was like again going to how it was with I'm thinking of any things. It must be just really hard to convey through directing. Like yeah. how do you direct the actors to do these certain emotions and exactly yeah these big hefty existential ideas but in one scene and but uh, i i really liked the ending of this film um i thought it dealt with the concept of sort of art taking over the artist very well i think um again not to reveal too much but sure i i thought the ending was very well executed and very carefully built up to throughout the runtime mm. of the film and again it's very the ending just ends with a big stomp of depression and i think that's kind of <laughs> You that know, was actually the alternative title. Was a big stomp of depression. <laughs> um, and that's it's weird because I've I've yeah. seen I've seen arguably more depressing films or more overtly depressing films. However, yeah, there are just elements of this film where I just don't want to go back to it. Mm. I just I, I don't know what that says about it. When I first saw this film, like, I, I like do... I've seen Antichrist, and yeah, I haven't seen Antichrist <laughs> or just any Lars von Trier. Like, <laughs> when I first watched this at the beginning of second year at uni, I I did walk away thinking this is the most depressing film I've seen, at least this year. Sure. So I, I don't know if I've seen more depressing ones since then, but it is, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it is a feat. But I would recommend it overall, because it is, it's definitely... <laughs> Ask these two films, here are these hefty criticisms, but we like it. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, they're both very rough around the edges, but I do have, right. well, I have more respect for this one than the previous one, but sure. I um I would definitely yeah. recommend it to people. It's it's definitely a talking point. Um, it's, you know, it has a lot of big things to say, and sometimes it doesn't say them very well, but it's worth listening to what it has to say, I think. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, I've got nothing else to say to it. Don't watch it drunk. Um, <laughs> don't watch it sober. Uh, <laughs> don't watch it. <laughs> I, don't watch it. <laughs> I think it does. It's another film that falls into the like have to watch analysis videos department. I don't know. I've I done think that with this. I I found um, it easier to understand improved. than uh, how it's improved after you watch like, analysis yeah, videos. There's, there's a lot of like very nice Easter eggs and mm. a lot of things where I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that first time. But yeah, again, don't know what that means about it. But at the same yeah. time, I like films like Enemy that are the exact same. So it's like it's this <laughs> internal debate where you're just going back and forth. I also like it. Enemy. That's a film that I purely don't understand. And I don't think anyone, aside <laughs> <But> from <laughs> the cast and crew, really does. There's like this uh, meme where it's like, I don't know what you're what you're saying, but speak your truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Enemy was kind of the epitome of, I don't get it, but I like it kind yeah. of film yeah. i don't get it but i vibe with it <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's something that's for another episode i think yeah that stalker bunch of films oh God, i want to talk about stalker, stalker on the Jesus podcast Christ. one day oh my God. Um, i'm not re-watching that soon. no well maybe but it's you know <laughs> that's yeah it's also in the chore department yeah i might do i was gonna watch the living trilogy sorry we're getting off topic we still have another it's, film think, to talk th- about yeah i think we're, we've said what we want to say with the next yeah week. I've, I feel like I've we did gone spend less time with it however I haven't seen it yeah closing while. thoughts from me would be yeah I would definitely recommend it to people it's a very rough around the edges self-indulgent film but it also has a lot to say there's a lot of really great things about it mm. uh, and you can kind of maybe not forgive its flaws but kind of push them to one side a little bit to appreciate the good in this film and yeah 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 maybe there isn't a lot maybe i'm not getting all of it maybe people are gonna shout at me but we'll see we want all the smoke fires <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i would i would recommend this one yeah um and then should we go into our third film of the our day? third film yes i also like i see some sort of like irony in that um I, me personally, I've I've been just quite withered down at the moment, and it's like, <laughs> oh, of course, the Charlie Kaufman episode where, where it's like, oh, about the human condition, <laughs> it's like it's very fitting. Yeah. <laughs> um, this film is like the least uh, cerebral and full on. Mm-hmm. And this film, he is a film he's only written. Um, I guess before we go into what it is in the synopsis, should we talk about how we went, how we got to this film? Yeah, because it was my choice, I think, wasn't it, this one? Right. Confessions yeah, of a yeah, Dangerous yeah. Mind. And I remember with this, with the whole Kaufman episode in general, I was a bit anxious because on our podcast, we try and look at sort of underrated, lesser known films. And I feel mm. like, especially in the film student... So Charlie Kaufman, up until I'm thinking of ending things, had direct, had made seven films. And I think in the five of them are like very well known and already well talked about. So it was hard... Yeah to kind of pick a film that we could add to without right. sort of, you know, like, oh, being John Malkovich, it's really great. You should go see it. It's like, yeah, cool. People have done that for the last 20 years, have been talking Even about with, it. I, uh, with Synecdoche as well, I think. Like, Synecdoche yeah. is heavily talked about online. It is, but, like, you know, we needed... a six-part YMS analysis yeah. video. We needed three films, though. Well. We needed three films, and human nature wasn't available anywhere, so... I and Also, I didn't, like... If we wanted to go into him uh, as a director, then we yeah, uh, we mm. would have done Anomalisa. Yeah, because that was. I your, think it's. Yeah. Re- I I didn't want to watch Anomalisa because like, with like 
the, those are the three films he's directed. Not only so I'm thinking of only things in Synecdoche. Uh-huh. Uh, watching them all in a row is not for me. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I, yeah, I wanted to see some stuff I hadn't seen before. Yeah, um, but that's why I chose Confessions, just because it was kind of It's his, not that well known. It's his least known of the films he's made, I would mm. say. Next to Human Nature, but I couldn't find Human Nature yeah, anywhere. It was, it's not accessible online It's anywhere. I couldn't find it anywhere. I checked all possible streaming places and I couldn't find maybe it. That's, maybe that's a sign. <laughs> maybe. But... I'm not going to watch it anytime soon. So this soon. film is Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. It was a 2002... Uh, spy comedy film yep. uh, directed by George Clooney it was his first it was directorial debut was it? Um, yeah I didn't know I'm, that I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm gonna no, I, I don't doubt it I just I'm I didn't know that check now it, it sounds right uh, yeah it was his directorial debut nice um, and the uh, Google synopsis reads Chuck Barris is forced by CIA agent Jim Bird to work as an assassin however when he l- later becomes a famous television presenter he must conceal his true identity. One thing they missed out there is that Chuck Barris, in real life, invented the dating game. Yes, like, the Bachelor. The, I think yeah. it wasn't called the Bachelor back then. It was called right. Well, something no, else. I don't even know. As in, like, I don't even know if it's the same show with you're thinking of. But it looks in general, very the similar. The idea yeah. of the dating game as a whole, yeah, was inve- invented by him, and he's yeah, invented yeah. many game shows. There's literally it's weird. They point out that he's invented a game show. The the game. The, uh, damn, I'm stuttering. He's invented a game show called the Game Game. <laughs> I think that's when he ran out of ideas first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and uh, it's based off of um, the autobiography of the same name, uh, and it's kind of implied that is this true? Is this not true? Like mm. it very much. Like it very well could be made up. It can't. It might not. It may. Yeah. Mm. Um, a little bit of trivia. Um, I was I was gonna go find it, but I'm just gonna go off the top of my head. Uh, this was like it kind of in development hell. At one point, Brian Singer was gonna direct it. Uh, with Ben Stiller starring in it, and then I read Johnny about Depp, this. It's gone yeah. through so many directors and, and then, actors, and, then and Johnny Depp writers. was going to be in it. Yeah, and, uh, it's like anyone who I, works yeah. in Hollywood was signed on to do this film at one point or another. <laughs> it's yeah. insane. And then Charlie Kaufman did it. And uh, George Clooney it, and George Clooney, and um, and Charlie Kaufman kind of hates this film. <laughs> I see he, why. It's he, it's very he, not him. <laughs> he he said that like George Clooney like fully changed it and that it's not his film and that the the element the ending parts aren't him and all this stuff um oddly enough this sounds well it is a criticism and i i really do like charlie kaufman but <laughs> this film is way more enjoyable and way more entertaining <laughs> like i like the george clooneyisms and george clooney isn't like super like amazing as a director he's like, not he, no but you know it's a fun film i, I guess yeah <laughs> but like I, when Kaufman writes for other people, the films are more accessible. So whatever Clooney did to make it more accessible, I don't mind. However, I get Kaufman's parts, uh, uh, like uh, concerns with it in that a lot of it is very by the numbers and very Hollywoody. But 
I guess it, it's fitting for this film with it being like a spy comedy drama. Yeah. You wouldn't so. you wouldn't be able to tell it was written by him no. if you hadn't seen his name in the credits. I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think you can tell it's Kaufman in the way that his character treats women. Like, <laughs> here like, we go. It sounds like I. You have to. You have to talk about this in this year and like. Yeah. It's something that needs to be talked about, but like. Yeah, and I'm saying that because. Chuck Barris's character literally like he just he's fucks a, a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I, oh, I can't talk about this coherently and but it sounds rambly. But yeah, I was going to let you kind of take the reins with this one cuz I have a few notes for it. Sure. Um but I you saw but it. Do you, do you get where I'm coming from? I do get where you're coming from. Uh but it, I saw this like even yeah. in even in I'm thinking of anything. I'm thinking of anything is somewhat more progressive, but when the curtain's revealed, it's like, oh, it's actually in service of a male character. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So that. it's like, oh, great. You, you like. But again, that's you know that's how the book was written as well. Sure, so I guess. Sure, sure. Yeah. So yeah, in defense of that, but oh, I hated this character. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> and Sam maybe Rockwell, you're not meant though. to like him. Sam Rockwell's great. He's, He's so having a lot fun. of fun with it. Oh. I at the beginning of this film, I was like, oh, I just fucking hate this character. <laughs> why? Why are these people and like liking him? Yeah. Or not? Like as in the other characters in the film, and I get that he's not—he is a womanizer, but yeah, I don't know. I just—you could call this film Chuck fucks. That's <laughs> literally all he does. Uh, <laughs> um, a complaint I have with this film is that it seems to be on this whole—the whole film seems to be under some sort of photo booth sheen. It's very weird. So can I? It just, looks like it's got a fucking Instagram filter. If on. I can just interject, because. Um, <laughs> I wrote this in a review before when I first sure. saw the film about a month ago. But um, letterbox.com forward slash clappy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just because I read a really good review of this film that described Clooney's style of direction as fifty percent Soderbergh and fifty percent Coen Brothers, and I just I thought that was really accurate. And I just I had to say it. <laughs> I think that's probably a... why he directed because he just really likes that they're working with them and their style. Well, yeah, because he'd it... worked with both of them at that point, hadn't he? Because yeah. he did Oh yeah. Brother, Where Art Thou and Ocean's Eleven. So he was like, I'm going to steal your guys' style. <laughs> Do you think it's a stealing or a good... No, it's not stealing, but it's just, it's very, like, visually the sort of... It's got the kind of experimental camera movements of right. Soderbergh and the sort of uh, farce comedy drama sure. of uh, Coen Brothers, doesn't it? And yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I just thought it was a funny observation. I don't have a lot to expand upon on it. I just really wanted to say it. <laughs> I, uh, when watching this, I was like, damn, George Clooney really has a nice voice. He does. He has a <laughs> nice a very everything. Su- like, comforting, sultry voice. Um, I think he's pretty good in this. Uh, yeah? Because he's, he's also in it. Because, um, well, of course he's going to do that. Um, <laughs> Sam Rockwell is, you know, great performance. Sam Rockwell will always be the MVP like he's just ha- so it's, it's yeah. good to see it's good to see him get his shine he does very well as the character uh i think drew barrymore was very good in it i feel like i don't know if this is down to direction or script but the julia roberts character just didn't work at all yeah do you know what i mean it did her character didn't feel natural the romance between her and chuck barris didn't, is it Chuck? Yeah, Chuck, yeah, Chuck Barris. Yeah, I keep wanting to say Chuck Barry, but that's a, that's a different guy. Different person. <laughs> um, it didn't work, and I just it didn't gel with me. Like so, yeah. I, I just I didn't feel like her character was natural. Maybe it's not meant to be because she's like meant to be. There were a lot of like... things in this film that made me feel like that. Sure. Like the the one note I have, the main note I have on this film is that like everything kind of happened sort of very 
thick and fast, you know, mm. it's very, you know, now we're here, now we're there again, and now here's Julia Roberts, like you said, and, mm. like, it's weird, because I found out that the guy who this film is based on, Chuck Barris, mm. was apparently very close to the production of this film, <laughs> and it doesn't seem like it, you know, it seems oh, very in, kind in of... What way? I don't know, because I, it's like you said, I think, because he... Um, Chuck Barris is very ambiguous as to whether sure. uh, this actually happened, whether he had involvement in the CIA and everything. And maybe that's why it's all a bit sort of flighty mm. and kind of like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we don't really know what's happening. But I don't know. It just seems very frivolous and very I feel like that's always the, the case with, with uh, like semi-autobiographical films yeah. that still have the person alive at the time. It's always going to be a, a weird amount of bias. Because there, are, mm. like, it cuts to uh, a lot of real life people talking about him and talking about how. Cool oh yeah, he is. it does. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that. See, I've, I've forgotten again, most of this film. <laughs> but back to, back to the way this film looks, where I say it's like a photo booth sheen. Yes. It's a disservice to the real life people that are in this to shoot them to the. There is there's characters where uh, uh, the real life people that are being shot in like these uh, vox pops. Um, the composure, the the composure is so like, or the ISO is so like. It's very, there's a lot of overexposure. To the point isn't where there? Yeah. they they look super pale and blend in with the background, yeah. and that's doing a disservice to the people in real life. It's like I, from I a two thousands like. music so video shoot, like, or I'm, something, I'm like, isn't shoot it? it properly. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was the DP on this film? Do you know? Because uh, I'd I'm be interested. Find out now. I'm, I, I hope. So we know who to blame. I hope. No, I, I was gonna say I hope there's no sort of like six degrees of kevin bacon thing and and they end up finding out and hating us um the cinematographer newton, is joe downey what yeah i shot it that's why it's bad uh newton thomas siegel who did he's worked with uh brian singer before so okay. that's probably why he stayed on maybe uh terry gilliam david russell david russell nicholas winning Refn, robert redford mm. uh huh. i think he did usual suspects oh um so you know, it's, oh yeah, he did. He did okay. the usual suspect. Um, he did the X Men films. He's done a bunch of Brian Singer films. Uh, he did Brothers Grimm with uh, Terry Gilliam. Mm. Or Gilliam. The, did you ever see The Conspirator with Robert Redford? No, I haven't. No. Yeah, he's. Well, he, I'm looking at this now. He's mainly done um, at Brian Singer films. He also did The Five Bloods. Oh okay. Uh, so. Oh, okay. No, he did the sequel to Crouching Tiger. I was about to say, damn. Yeah, I was going um, <laughs> No. <laughs> I don't think it's the DP's fault because all these other films are like look great. <laughs> you think it's Clooney's fault? Yeah, yeah. It's clearly a stylistic choice. It is, but it doesn't work. It's kind of like it shows that is a first-time directing effort, yeah. wasn't it? It's interesting, Clooney as a director, because hmm. I was reading. You like you? I, what I, am what? I right in saying you kind of like him as a director, or? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't think I've really ever like. What's it? Good morning or something. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good night and good luck. I liked yeah. Good Night and Good Luck. I thought it was good. Um, I don't know if I love him as a director. Um, I haven't seen many films he's directed. And right. I, I read a review. I've read uh, Roger Ebert's review of um, The Monuments Men, the film he directed. I didn't know he was alive then. Jesus. When did yeah, he die? I, I think... Mm, oh, no, it might have been, like... On the website, oh, the site. It yeah. might. I. I can't remember. Maybe the. Yeah. Well, maybe he was alive. I don't know. But um. Huh. He no. He said that Clooney's style of direction has basically become more bland with each film he's done. Because you have Confessions yeah. of a Dangerous Mind, which is kind of very, 
balls to the wall and experimental and then kind of mm. good night and good luck had a bit of interest to it i guess it was in black and white and it looked really nice and sure, sure. yeah and then monuments men is kind of just mm. <laughs> like i know i'm bashing the way the film looks i do like that he's being experimental because mm. like it seems that his filmography later on becomes either kind of become uh, kind of uh, by the numbers or cohen yeah. So, like, I do like that he's trying different things. I just feel like the way the film looks is a disservice to some of the real people within those Vox Pops, or it just looks bad. Like, there's just, like, weird grain in bits. Um, mm. It did keep know. me interested, though, while watching sure. it. I was yeah. engaged while watching it. I really liked. I really liked Rutger Hauer. Yeah, oh, who was... I, he was the uh, one of the other assassins. Oh, uh, okay. At first, I I'm sorry, I remember hot. so little of this film. <laughs> I feel like that's saying something about the film. I still think it's, you know, worth watching. It's entertaining, but, mm. yeah. Um, at first, I did think Rutger Hauer was Anthony Hopkins, but <laughs> but I, I, I found his presence rather intimidating. Um, One of my favourite elements of this film is uh, Brad Pitt's cameo. Yes, and, and uh, uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah. They're, they're on screen for about they're as, they're, they're like three bachelors. seconds apiece. Yeah, yeah, they're the bachelors on the show, and they're on screen... For about three seconds apiece. They have no dialogue. Brad Pitt <laughs> does that quite a bit. Um, does he? He did that in Deadpool recently. He did it in Deadpool, yeah. For a, like a frame, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was Matt kind Damon of... did it as well with... Uh, have you seen Unsane? I haven't seen Unsane yet, no. Well, he obviously did it in Interstellar, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, they, that they was... like doing yeah. a little camp... Oh, Matt Damon's in Deadpool 2 as well. Oh, is he? Oh. Yeah, you wouldn't recognise him. He's in a fat suit. Oh. He's in a scene with uh, the dude that plays the robot in Rogue One, and he's in a bunch of uh, Joss Whedon stuff. What's his name? Alan Tudyk. <sighs> Alan Tudyk. The chicken yeah. in Moana. <laughs> he's he's a voice actor for a lot of like yeah. Disney films, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's also in Frozen. He's in Frozen. He's in Big Hero I... Six. He's. Uh... We're not talking about the film, and I think no, we're not that's... talking about no, but like anyway. <laughs> I don't know if that's saying something about the film. That like, it's, I, you know, I, even I mean... though with these interesting ideas of having a. Yeah, uh, a CIA assassin who is also a, a game show host. It's still not that memorable of a film, despite the real life spice. It's <laughs> it's not very stuff. memorable. There's there is, it yeah. There, it it's tries, just a good Sam Rockwell performance. Uh, yeah, yeah. It tries to go for cool like intrigue and clever not, twists but... at times, but I never really felt the impact of those. Sure. Like with again, like you said, with Julia Roberts' character, there's a thing that happens near the end of the film with him. Oh, and... it's melodramatic. Uh, and it I don't know I just I didn't feel the wow that the film clearly wanted me to feel you know mm. it's weird because uh, yeah I keep forgetting this is a Kaufman film but uh, <laughs> at least with the f- other films he's written for other directors it's very obvious that it, he's written it like like Eternal Sunshine or Being John Malkovich like they're still yeah. very Kaufman cerebral weird looking films or whatever and that's super like surface level analysis of it but um <laughs> with this it's the only thing you could see why he did it is because uh, of the character that they're a game show host and also because like 20 other so, writers yeah. and directors and actors said no beforehand <laughs> yeah oh we're gonna get spielberg and johnny depp to do this film no okay let's, let's Someone, see who else please, it, it could be a for hire thing. I don't know if it is. I know uh, Human Nature was. 
human nature high. yeah I imagine like it was, was a one for them one yeah um, and I, think... I don't know if this one was because he was so upset as to how it turned out so I feel like he really wanted to do something with it mm. um, but through their collaboration it just didn't work out it's funny this, this film came out in the same year as Adaptation which was <laughs> definitely a one for him <laughs> yeah. yeah so I, I imagine he put most of his creative efforts sure. into that film rather than yeah. Yeah. this one I don't it's like I guess it'll be interesting to go into George Clooney's filmography at some point but mm. I don't know um fun fact and this is not to do with Kaufman at all uh you know the Monuments Men film yeah apparently Boris Johnson wrote a, a script uh <laughs> It's I don't, I can't find it anywhere, but apparently it's very much like Monuments Men. Like, really? That's the t- yeah, that's the that's the film the type of film he's written. <laughs> say of that what you will, but think of that will be. When did he write like, it? Like a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think he. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, How strange. Yeah. So I feel strange. like I really don't have a lot to say about this film, and I Me feel neither. kind of guilty because. Yeah. Yeah, the review I wrote when I first saw it on Letterboxd was very short and kind of I said all the points about Coens and Soderbergh. So ultimately, would you recommend this film for people trying to... I think, make, like, I was about to say people trying to get into Charlie Kaufman, but I think now that I say it, it's really if you're a completionist. Yeah, if you're trying to get into Kaufman, no, I wouldn't recommend right. this. If you do want to see all his films and form like a a perspective on his whole career then yeah I would recommend it and the same goes for George Clooney as a director sure. I would recommend that and also just if you love Sam Rockwell just having fun just watch this film yeah, I would say definitely. uh like yeah. Sam Rockwell you know whether whether he's playing George Bush Jr or the villain in Iron Man 2 he's just always having best the part best of Iron time Man 2. <laughs> huh he's the best part of he's Iron the best Man part too. of Iron Man 2 he's the best part of this film. Uh, he's also great in uh, Green Mile. In Gr- oh, yeah, Green Mile. God, he's in that. He's and just one of those ones where it's just like, yeah. he's there, he doesn't even necessarily have to steal the whole scene, but he's like... And it's like Galaxy great. Quest as well. He's kind of like Robert Downey Jr. in that when he's on screen, you can tell you're going to have fun. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you te- you're you going to smile just because yeah. he's there. <laughs> you're like, hey. <laughs> Sam Rockwell. It's yeah. that guy from Three Billboards. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. No, I really don't have a lot to say with with this one, and you know we have. I haven't been super co- coherent with this episode, but I feel like, <laughs> ironically, it fits. I feel like I've yeah. I might have done a bit of rambling as well. I feel like I've said a lot, but I've also said a Let lot. Let us of... know what you think at TAW podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, my the way I've been talking in this has been a lot like a Kaufman film, and that I've said right. all the right things that I wanted to say, but also. A lot of fluff as well, probably. <laughs> I mean, you haven't been mean to women yet, so... Oh, not yet. You don't know. No, I'm joking. Oh, that, was a joke. that was a joke. Um, let us know what you think of these films, guys. Um, I guess, in particular, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, if you are interested in spy comedy crime dramas. Because uh, the other two films are a lot more well-known. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like of these three films we've talked about, I didn't really love any of them, but sure. at least with the first there two There is a lot you still appreciate about them though, right? Yeah, like with the first two we've talked about, at least they they're again, like I said, they're talking points. They get you thinking, they get you looking at things critically, they get you right. analyzing. So yeah, I would recommend them in that sense. Sure. And then with the Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, I would just yeah, if you like 
the people involved than watch it. It's not going to make yeah. you love them more, but... <laughs> I could say... I, I could, you could probably just turn your brain off watching Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, to be honest. It's like one of those... It's like it's popcorn, kind of. It's like kind of it's a popcorn Overexposed film. popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> deep, deep fried, deep fried image. The whole film is a, a deep fried <laughs> meme. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily like... When I say... Because, like, you know, certain popcorn films are, like, action films or whatever. But, like, this mm. one, you can just kind of pop it on in the background. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. The only real cough mini part is when the char- uh, when characters are talking about uh, Chuck Barris's mum and how he raised Chuck Barris. That's the little, little bit of, Remind like, me of weird cough again. mini. It's a uh, bit, bit, like, like... So they're insinuating that... His mum wanted a girl, so they raised him androgynous and the psychological effect that it took uh, uh. It, that it took on him. But they literally talk on about it for like a bit. They, and that's what I'm saying. Where it seems like there's a little bit of Kaufman in there. Yeah. But f- apart from that, the rest of it is. You know, it's Clooney. a George Clooney film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, Coen Brothers film. It's a Soderbergh <laughs> film. It's Ocean's Eleven. Again, I do want to check out other stuff George Clooney has done. They're not critically respected or whatever but i still want to see like good night and he tries out and yeah like because like suburbicon people hate it i'm pretty sure yeah i'd, I'd remember people not but liking I, it. I, I still want to see like where he succeeds and good night and good luck is probably his most acclaimed film critically sure. i think because it got like best picture nominations and a bunch of other things and it's actually it's a respected film i think mm. amongst critics whereas his other films I'm not so sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much all we have to say with these films. Uh, I'm thinking of Ending Things is available on Netflix. Uh, Synecdoche New York is available on Amazon Prime. And I'm pretty sure Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is available to rent on renting services. Yeah, for three fifty, I think, on yeah. Amazon. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming uh, similar prices as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's been our Kaufman episode. I'm sorry, like I'm so- sorry that there was little errors here and there, folks. But we're recording this at a very weird time in terms <laughs> of like mentally, <laughs> at least on my end. And it's I was thinking about this the other day. It's been interesting. The podcast I've probably mentioned this before on the podcast, but we've kind of been able to uh, track, like, we've been recording pre and post pandemic. Yes. So I was listening to Lomax's episode the other day, and we sound very hopeful, like hopeful, and like still kind of like, oh, you know, we're, we're surviving, but you know, <laughs> like I I called Rear Window the perfect isolation film, which it is, but like I was very much like, I was less jaded. <laughs> Ironically, the Charlie Kaufman episode is where I'm the most jaded. <laughs> like, it's but, weird um, how much of a gap there was as well between episode three and episode gap. four. Because yeah. it was like, because we did episode three in... Oh, are you talking about, oh, I thought you meant uh, since the Lynch episode. But no, yeah, no, no, no. Right. So, uh, from episode three to episode four, because we did sure. episode three in like February, I think, yeah, and episode yeah. four in uh, April. Episode four was our first <laughs> online episode, and then yep. we had Lomax afterwards, so it was our first guest online. Yes. I'd like to get him back on at some point. He's very, um, he's good. He's a very good guest. He's... Um, I'd like to get a lot of them back on. I want to. I want to do another episode with Ruben. Mm. Ruben, if you're listening, I doubt you are, but <laughs> let us know. 
If you'd like to, if you're listening and you'd like to come on the podcast, let us know. We'd love to chat about some films. I I was speaking about this with Matt Pryor. Um, I think we may, depending on people's our schedule and whatnot, be talking about mainly just two films rather than three. Yeah, well, um, I mean, so, yeah. Just given yeah. schedules and whatnot. Um, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> anyway, yeah, should we, should we wrap it up, I think? <laughs> yeah. We, we hope you've enjoyed this surreal episode. We, <laughs> we learned not to do two surreal themes back to back. Because they take a toll on you. They do. <laughs> so, our next I, I episode will be lighter. It very much will be. It's, it will it's be. a very cozy, comfort, comforting, and easy going. Yeah. Um, that's a hint at our theme. And yeah, we hope you've enjoyed that Surat podcast. I've been Joe Downey. And I've been Matthew Parkinson. And that is a wrap. wrap. I, why did I add another word? I don't Excellent. <laughs> I- <laughs>